Welcome everyone to a special mini episode of Steeping Together, where we explore a specific topic within the vast world of tea with a tea enthusiast. I'm your tea-obsessed host, Marika, and I cannot wait to get into today's topic. Okay, look, I'm going to be honest with you, dear listeners, because that's how I roll. I have spent 20 years in the tea and spice industry. I lived in China for six years exploring the world of tea. I have tasted thousands of cups from hundreds of places. I have discovered new and amazing teas I never thought I would like and have had my own taste biases challenged more times than I can count. But you know what I still don't get? White tea. I like, I don't, I don't get it. It's too subtle. It's too gentle. It does not fit with my personality. And I am tired of trying to make it work for me. But the point of this podcast and of life in general, quite frankly, is to explore, to figure out why you don't like something is as important, if not more, than understanding why you do. So in order to keep growing as a human, I have enlisted the help of Billy Dietz to help us understand white tea a bit better, and more to the point, understanding how this most understated of teas is actually a challenging and most welcome tea base when blending. Welcome, Billy! Hello, Marika. It's good to be back with you. So happy to have you back. Could you just give us a brief introduction for anyone who didn't hear your first appearance on Steeping Together? Yes, indeed. A very brief intro. My name is Billy Dietz. I fell in love with tea when I was 15, have not stopped drinking or obsessing over it since, and all of a sudden I found myself uh, as the director of research and development for David's Tea, which, lucky for me, isn't really a job. (laughs) Not many people get to say that, but it is true. I think you are working your heart's passion. You are able to explore something that you are personally, professionally passionate about. You're a very, very lucky man. And we're just lucky to have you again. So thanks again for joining us and helping me out here, Billy, because, oh boy, oh boy, I have tried white tea. And it's not to say that I don't like all white teas. But of all the tea bases, it is the only tea base that I can say I've only liked maybe four or five cups of in my life. I tried a Kenyan white tea years ago that knocked my socks off. I didn't expect to like it, but it had peach notes that I I was delighted and surprised by. It re-steeped quite well, which is not the case for a lot of white teas. And I really, really enjoyed that cup. But if somebody offers me a cup of white tea, well, I'm, I'm polite, so I'll drink it. But I'm not going to, like, enjoy it. And the question of how do you blend a tea that historically or more commonly is known as being very delicate in flavor, very subtle and nuanced, how do you then blend with this tea? I just, I have so many questions. So are you ready for me to just... <laughs> Assault you? Let's do do this thing. (laughs) Okay. So let's start by explaining what white tea is. Do you want to give a kind of basic intro of what white tea is? I will indeed. White tea on paper is the simplest form of tea processing. It is plucked, it is withered, and it is dried. And that is it. Right. Three steps. On paper. Exactly. What I find really interesting about white tea is that of all the tea types, it is the only tea type that skips a very particular step in processing it, and that is the fixing or the kill green step. Mm -hmm. And I think people understate what that does to the category as a whole. Tea will 
if not if not fixed, tea will continue to oxidize. Mm-hmm. So white tea becomes this naturally evolving and changing tea type that is sort of like uncontrollable. <laughs> right. Um, okay. I mean, you can get into some specifics of the processing where you can better control, let's say, the temperature, humidity, and everything to bring out, okay, a more green mm-hmm. type white tea. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if you want it a little bit more oxidized, you tweak the parameters, whatever. But what that does is all of a sudden open up white tea to not just this one single, like, delicate of what we think of as white tea. It almost bridges more of oolong where you have this range of oxidation. And that's something I think is very understated and not talked about enough with white tea. It's so understated that I've literally never considered it in those terms. And not to say like, oh, look at me, I'm such an expert. But I have spent quite a bit of my adult life (laughs) studying this. And I never really considered white tea to be almost in that same quantity of varieties available as oolong. You know, listeners of this podcast know I'm obsessed with oolong teas, and it's because of the variations of forms in it. But it is true that you can find that in white tea as well. Totally. So here's here's how I've always understood white tea. White tea is essentially the bud or the bud and the two or three or four first leaves attached to that bud. And uh, it is, like you said, withered, oxidized, life is dried, not uh, just dried, and life is good. It's over. Very, very simple process. So simple that I almost added an extra step in my enthusiasm to describe it. Um, Very, very simple process. And the tea that is sold as white tea that is unfragranced is generally very subtle, uh, very expensive. And I've always heard that it's low in caffeine, which is not necessarily true. So it seems like there's still a great mystery around what white tea is. And there are grades of white tea. You told me this the other day and it blew my mind. There are grades of white tea that are not sold commercially on their own in a on a large market, like in supermarkets or even specialty tea stores, that are almost reserved exclusively for blending because of the particular flavors and aromas and mouthfeel that they have. Indeed, we did dive into this. And this is the conundrum of rolled white tea. So primarily what we see and use in blending is uh, is rolled white tea. Okay. Uh, So it it goes through a shaping process, thus encouraging a bit of natural oxidation, Mm -hmm. which gives rolled white tea a bit more body and less of this delicate type, uh, you know, uh, air that white tea normally has. Right. So it gives a bit of astringency. It gives a little bit more character. But the nice thing and what it lacks and how it differentiates a lot from blending with, say, a rolled green tea is that it doesn't come necessarily with the same vegetal intensity Mm. that green tea can have. So you still have a character and astringency uh, and true, let's say, form of tea mm-hmm. taste in your cup, but with layered flavor. So it works quite well, uh, especially when uh, you really want the flavor to shine versus maybe the tea base to shine in a blend. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It does make me question why only a certain type of white tea, be it in specialty stores, like I said, is marketed and sold to the public. Because 
as I said, I don't particularly like white tea. And I'm thinking of like Bai Hao Yin Zen or Bai Mudan, which you'll find in any good specialty tea shop. Very delicate. The buds are, are, are gorgeous. You know, they have this beautiful white duvet on them. And the notes that, you know, you're always going to more or less get is very hay, lots of very dried hay flavor. And then sometimes you'll have peach notes and sometimes you'll have more vegetal notes to your point. Sugar but, cane. Yes, sugar cane, that kind of mild sweetness. But these notes are always very, very, like, hit, not hidden, but you, you got to really work to you find have to reach. them. You got to reach. Mm. Which is, it was always the extra work with white tea I didn't appreciate. <laughs> my inherent laziness but i was like how much do i have to work to discern why you're a thing yeah the teas that you're describing these rolled white teas that are used in blending i feel like as a consumer i probably would have enjoyed that more because they sound a little bit more complex a little bit more vivacious a little bit more uh in line with what i enjoy am i wrong in thinking that or or why isn't this every why are you the first person to shine a light on this for me, Billy. <laughs> I think that these teas, if you really searched, you could probably find them on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is not really a name in it. You know, right. the, the white peony style and the silver needle style, There, there is an air of authority within the world of white tea that rolled white tea doesn't necessarily have. You're saying it's a classist issue that I... we're... That we're... That were, I like how you threw your hands up, like, do not involve me in this conversation. <laughs> You're like, nope, not going there. But there's, there's also a matter of price, too, right? Yeah. Like, you can command a better premium on a white peony or a silver needle style right. than you could with this rolled, which brings us to another challenge of blending with white tea. Right. And that is cost. Yes. To keep your blend affordable on accessible. a more accessible on a more everyday basis, that is a big consideration. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have we blended some extravagant white teas in our day? Absolutely. We're David's tea. We don't shy away from that kind of stuff. Has the world ever seen these blends? No. no. Just, just too expensive. It's too expensive. It's just inaccessible to people, and it's just not what we're about. And there's limited quantities of those fine, finer teas. I'll say um, that are going to be more reserved for drinking straight, because there is that customer that really in, enjoys white tea for whatever the reason. For whatever reason, and I'm so happy for anyone who's found their tea family and found their tea, but I think I'm more interested in trying rolled whites now. On a personal level, I'm kind of more intrigued. So let's get back to like blending specifically. I mean, here at David's Tea, we're known for a great many things. One of the things we're known for is the absolute intensity behind a lot of our blends. Not all of them. Uh, I've been drinking a very, very light uh, tea all day that we uh, that we make here. But there there are the hazelnut chocolates. There are the you know there are the more intense blends. How do you go about blending with a white tea? Like why would you blend with a white tea? I think there are a few reasons and. One of, one of the reasons we touched on a little bit was using the rolled white tea gives you enough of a, let's say, character and air of tea and a presence of tea. However, it doesn't command necessarily this like upfront flavor mm -hmm. that uh, uh, like a like a Sencha style in a blend would command. Right. So with that said, 
you can have a, you know, tea-based, caffeinated, whatever type blend you want, but the star attribute to the end consumer could be more the flavor of whatever you want. I don't know. Let's say a peach, for yeah. instance, right? right. Like a white peach type flavor. So you can have this nice base of astringency, almost mirroring the astringency of peach skin, delicate, but enough to make you craving more. But then like the peach note is your it's not a juicy. Star. It's not a juicy peach, is yeah, what you're yeah. saying. It's the peach note is the star. You're this not floral peach. Yes. Okay. So really playing to the characteristics of each of the white teas, I think, is in best interest. We've we've tried several uh, uh, blends uh, anecdotally. Let's say with a higher oxidized white tea, mm-hmm. so something that wasn't as controlled to 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 preserve the greenness of it. Right. Uh, with flavors like buckwheat honey and things like that, which are a lot richer, a lot deeper. And the white tea does provide not astringency in that case, but provides these rich, darker, more honey caramel type notes. And anyone who has experienced with aged white tea can definitely uh, link what I'm talking about with those more honey type yeah, notes. Yeah, what it makes me think of when you're describing this, because that is one of the issues I take with flavored white teas, which of the white teas is probably what I drink the most of, um, is that I... Don't always taste the tea, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. But it, I do like the mouthfeel a lot of the times because if what, what I'm gleaning from what you're saying here is that the type of white tea used could actually elongate and push the flavors that are added to it to make those, like you said, be the star of the show. The white tea is in the background. They're kind of controlling the monitors and making sure everything <laughs> sounds good. Right. To the to the audience, right? But they're they're content, like not necessarily being the main attraction. Oh, I oh that analogy, and I'm not exaggerating. That analogy has just completely changed my opinion of white tea because you're saying white tea is the unsung hero slash executive producer of the blended final product. Let's I go, let's am go with on it. board. Let's. <laughs> Let's go with it. It's something that I, it was very on the fly. That was not rehearsed. Um, But that, I think that that's absolutely the case because you can really play around with more of this, like you said, the mouthfeel versus worrying like, oh, okay, it's going to, we're going to use a, you know, a Japanese sencha as a base. So we're going to have to play on those oceanic vegetal notes. So how can we balance blah, blah, blah. You don't need to do that with a white tea. The white tea is going to help you balance everything anyways. White tea is kind of making, okay, this is not something we discussed, but the way you're describing it is the way I've always felt about, and I have limited experience in blending. I only did it for a few years. I'm not like you, but it reminds me of the ease of blending with rooibos, where rooibos does a lot of your heavy lifting because it's got like a natural sweetness. It carries a good uh, amount of flavor or spice or anything. Is it... Is it the same almost with white tea where the white tea is cooperating with you a lot more than, say, a green tea? If you know how to use it, yes. Because we've definitely tasted some of these blends that contain that, like, rolled white tea before. Uh, And and with certain flavors and in certain concentrations, it can be coarse. Mm -hmm. It can be not this crisp, nice astringency. It can be, like... Ooh, that's dialed up to eleven, and we want you to be at a five. Like the like the kind of astringency astringency that like dries your mouth. Yes. Yeah, I hate because I, I am a huge fan of mild astringency in yeah. my teas. But when you drink a tea 
and your entire mouth goes dry. I'm like, this is not the emotion I'm looking for. So then that begs this question, or better said, that brings up a next point about mm-hmm. white tea is caffeine content. Yes. And I so I I don't want to get overly, overly scientific here. So let me just try and encapsulate this. Is white white tea has been marketed as being a lower caffeinated tea by weight. It was one of the big marketing things early, early on when white tea started to become pretty commercialized in North America. Oh, it's uh, nice. It's more delicate than green tea. It's less caffeine. All of these claims. The one thing to keep in mind, however, is that white tea will usually contain some proportion of tips. The, The buds. The buds, the baby leaves. Yeah. Those buds by weight and on average contain higher amounts of caffeine than the rest of the leaves because caffeine is a natural insecticide. So the plant is wanting to protect its babies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the plant is... Until they're at maturity. Yeah, produce the caffeine. There's going to be more caffeine in the bud because you want to naturally protect the plant so that it can propagate later. Exactly. I've been in this business 20 years, as I said. I'd say about half of it, I heard that white tea had almost no caffeine. Where did this come from? My, I don't have proof of this. I'm gonna go, <laughs> You're not gonna, you don't want to point any fingers. I don't want to point any fingers. <laughs> but a lot of the white tea that first entered the U.S. market was in teabag form. Mm. And most of it did not contain tea buds. It was more of this leafy white tea grade that was, you know, either sifted or whatever uh, off of some of the higher grades. Okay. I think that that was one of the first types of white tea to hit the market. And that I could maybe see a scientific reason why uh, maybe it didn't have as much caffeine. Right. Because it was not tea buds. Right. Wow. It's just, they're so, it's, it's amazing to me that we have been working in the industry this long. This product has been around for thousands of years and I still feel like every single day I'm learning a major truth bomb <laughs> about something or another. It's absolutely Fascinating. So, okay, what's the what's your favorite white tea blend that you've ever made? Released or not? I don't want to know necessarily if it made it to market, but like as a blender, as a professional like creator of or engineer of these teas, like what's one that you're like, oh that 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 really hit the spot? Ooh. Um my I think that my one of my favorite developments, because it's the first one that came to mind that we did, uh, though it is not uh, released. I'll say it's sitting in the coffers somewhere. Exactly. Um, it is a white tea blend that is buckwheat honey flavored. Mm. Or it's in that vein of being having buckwheat honey flavor. Mm-hmm. But it's not the flavor itself that was what was amazing about this. It was the base of tea that was chosen. And the base of tea that was chosen is a moonlight white white tea from okay. Yunnan. So there's a big argument, and I don't want to get into it as a whether it's a poor or whether it's a white tea. Yes, There's no. a whole thing, right? But <laughs> strictly off of how the tea was being processed, yeah. by that definition, personally, I would consider that a white tea. Right. Um, but that is a pretty high oxidized white tea. And mm-hmm. so it do, it really leaned into that Buckwheat. caramelly, bu- mm. or like 
like piquant herbaceousness that buckwheat honey has. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I know what so you mean. pungent. Yeah, it's not a light honey. It's it's an amber dark. You yeah. know, you're you're living a moment almost when you have a little bitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. And just very intense. Yeah. Just very 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 intense. And it was the perfect stepping stone for that flavor because naturally <laughs> that tea really had that. I think my, some of my favorite blends, like we were even talking about in the episode before, is when the tea base really boosts and helps that flavor to shine. Right. Hazelnut chocolate was the same. It was the pour that made mm-hmm. hazelnut chocolate be what it is. Just like this blend, this high oxidized white tea with that rich honey note pushed this flavor and made it more than what it would be on its own. Oh my gosh. It's uh it's beautiful the way you put it that it made it more than what it is on its own. It's like the the different components let everyone shine just so much more. I feel like this is an argument for diversity. <laughs> this is an argument for why we should all come together. Yeah. You know, we are greater than the sum of our parts. Yes. And it's just I don't know why that made me think of it, but it absolutely did. Well, Billy, I don't know how else to put this. I came into this episode thinking there's no way I'm going to be more interested in white tea when we're done. Because I've I've given it the good college try, as they say. And now I really feel like I need to rethink my own prejudices, my own biases, and kind of... Um, Ignore everything I've learned and start from scratch and give white tea a real chance. So, you know, thank you so much for doing it. It's very rare that you can say somebody's come in and really brought a new passion towards something that you abandoned years ago. So genuinely, thank you so much for for uh, for doing that. It's such a pleasure to talk tea with you always. On mic, off mic, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We always get somewhere pretty incredible. And again... Some of our parts, we become better than our whole. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. And so thank you. And thank you for listening to today's mini episode. If you would like to reach us with comments, questions, or topics for another mini episode, you can do so at steeping.together at davidstea.com or through our website, davidstea.com. Have a great week and happy steeping, everyone. Bye.